On October 27th, 2021, I put out a presentation in which I discussed that media and public health experts have been saying that SARS-CoV-2 was going to, at that time, become endemic. And that didn't happen. As I'm recording this in the third week of January, government and media chatter about SARS-CoV-2 becoming endemic has started anew. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. Before I get rolling, I want to let you know that I'm going to put the link to that October 27th, 2021 presentation down in the notes. In the October 27th video, I went in-depth on what being endemic means, and I'm not going to do that again today. I'm simply going to say that the key phrase from the various medical definitions of endemic is that there is a relatively constant rate of occurrence. That is one of the key factors that identifies something that has become endemic. When all the endemic chatter was occurring back in October of 2021, the United States had just come out of the Delta wave, and Europe was just going into a fresh wave, which presumably was the very first cases of the then-not-yet-identified Omicron. Another key point I made in that presentation was that nobody can tell you, tell the world, that a particular contagion is going to become endemic. Unless somebody has a crystal ball, they cannot tell you that with any factual foundation. They can hope, they can wish, they can hypothesize, but they cannot tell you that next month or the month after or the month after a contagion is going to become endemic. That is scientifically impossible. So we go back to October and we look at what the government and the media and the experts were saying that SARS-CoV-2 was going to become endemic shortly. I mean, they were saying like, okay, we're there. And so did we then see a relatively constant rate of occurrence? No, we saw exactly the opposite. We saw new daily infections explode across the globe because of Omicron. And again, this buttresses what I was telling you, that nobody can tell you that next month or the month after or so forth, that a contagion is going to be endemic. This is a perfect example. There was all the chatter about endemic, and then exactly the opposite happened, which oddly has happened time and time and time and time again in terms of what the experts have told us. So understanding all of that is the mid-January 2022 endemic chatter any more likely to be true? Actually, yes, though it's still just a hypothesis. It's still just an estimate. The reason that it is a lot more likely to be factual this time around is because it is incredibly unlikely from a statistical perspective that any mutation of Omicron would end up being any more highly transmissible than Omicron is. I'm just going to give you an example. If you got on a scale of 1 to 100 and say Omicron, as far as transmissibility is, is a 92 on a scale of 1 to 100, what are the odds that the next mutation is going to make that a 93 or 95 or 98? Very small. Statistically speaking, the odds are that any mutation would actually be less transmissible. 
In other words, claiming that we are now at the point where SARS-CoV-2 may become endemic is based on the fact that Omicron's transmission rate is so super high that essentially the only place to go from there is down. So what changes are we going to see if it's true that SARS-CoV-2, especially now with the Omicron variant, is indeed going to be endemic? That's a bit hard to say because many governments and corporations, they are probably going to lag significantly in evolving from their pandemic protocols to their endemic protocols. In other words, they're going to cling for some time to the old model rather than moving forward into what is appropriate in the endemic phase. When we consider changing protocols to something more appropriate for endemic, we also have to keep in mind that the top five symptoms of Omicron are symptoms of the common cold. So that begs the question, why would you have protocols that are anything different than might exist for the common cold for a virus, the symptoms of which, if somebody's symptomatic at all, the symptoms of which are the common cold? That said, we do have some hints at what is coming. First, it appears that PCR testing is going to be greatly de-emphasized. We're not going to see anywhere near the amount of PCR testing. And so this new narrative under the idea of Omicron and it being endemic is that the raw number of how many people came out positive in any given day is not useful. And instead, now the dialogue, the narrative is um, that public health officials want to focus on more meaningful data, such as hospitalizations and deaths. Here's a quote from the Wall Street Journal. One way to bring the case count down is by testing fewer people. Can you imagine hearing that from a publication such as the Wall Street Journal a year ago? And here's Dr. Joseph Ladapo, who is Florida's Surgeon General, quote, Historically in public health, for respiratory viruses in the general population, we consider cases to be people who have symptoms, not a PCR test. But during the pandemic, you can have a positive PCR test, be completely healthy, but be considered a case, that's in quotes, a case, and be required to behave like a case, which is isolation and those types of things, close quote. To be clear, with the exception of people like Joseph Ladapa, who has been a shining light of logic and reason in all of this, with the exception of people like him, this is a whole new narrative for the establishment. And it's the narrative that should have existed beginning in something like March or April of 2020. But hey, almost two years late is better than never, right? Because experts, Janet Hamilton, who is the executive director of the Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists, recently said that because of PCR testing shortages, the prevalence now of home testing and the high percentage of infections that are asymptomatic, the daily case count is, and I'm quoting her here, vastly underreported. And those are the very reasons for which I shared my view a week or so ago that the CDC's longtime metric of how to estimate actual infections from identified infections is no longer valid. It's way out of date. And where they were using a one to four ratio that more realistically now we should be looking at something like a one to nine ratio. 
One of the most interesting things that's suddenly taken place in this sort of this time of the establishment adopting and admitting to the very things that people like me have been saying for at least a year and a half. One of the most amusing ones is now that the CDC has come out and said that cloth masks do virtually nothing. And of course, all intelligent people knew that from day one. I went back and looked at the research on masks and uh, viral contagions starting from 1920 forward. And I shared in a number of my presentations that there, for a hundred years, there was absolutely zero evidence. There was no studies that concluded that wearing masks in a contagious outbreak halts or slows the spread of a virus. Zero. And of course, I was roundly castigated by the mask crowd for that. So I wonder, people who've been screaming for almost two years now, um, that people like me, who, who said these masks don't work, were horrible people who wanted to kill grandma. I wonder how they feel now the CDC has come out and said I was right all along. I'm guessing since they didn't give a shit about the truth then, they don't give a shit about the truth now. Well, we've been discussing it on this channel for a very, very, very long time, almost the beginning of the SARS-CoV-2 outbreak. Public health officials are finally talking about the distinction between people who've died with COVID-19, or SARS-CoV-2 more accurately. Shockingly, both Fauci and Walensky have commented on that distinction in about the last 10 days. And up until this new establishment narrative shift, you were not hearing anything like that from them. I was surprised to see that New York Governor Hochul has actually instructed the New York State Health Department to start distinguishing between hospital deaths with COVID-19 versus from COVID-19. In terms of overall hospitalizations, even before Omicron, studies showed that approximately half the people who were shown to be in the hospital associated with SARS-CoV-2 were there for other reasons and just tested positive upon admission. And of course, now with Omicron raging the way it does, with it being super transmissible, that number is going to climb substantially. Epidemiologist Ellie Klein with John Hopkins wonders whether we should still segregate people in hospitals because they test positive for SARS-CoV-2. Quote, do we quarantine them? Maybe we stop doing that. We don't quarantine people who have the flu, close quote. With PCR testing being de-emphasized, the emphasis now is going to be on rapid antigen tests outside the United States, more commonly called as lateral flow tests, that can be done at home. Mara Espilla, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, a professor of biomedical diagnostics at Arizona State University, estimates that since Omicron hit the United in the United States, since December, Americans have been using an average of 4 million home test kits per day, and anticipating that will rise to 5 million a day as corporations begin disseminating rapid antigen tests to their workers so that when they get those cold symptoms, they know when they can come back to work. Many people presume that those numbers are only going to grow. I'm going to guess, I'm going to share with you that I believe those numbers are going to plunge. Here's the reason. In places like South Africa and the UK that were ahead of the United States in Omicron cases taking off, what they found is that there was this dramatic increase for about eight weeks 
And then when you look at a graph, it was literally an inversion. New daily infections were going up nearly vertically, and then all of a sudden, on a given day, there was an inversion, and they started dropping, also in a near vertical line. In other words, if here in the United States we have the same experience as other nations that are ahead of us in the Omicron curve, then while government is ostensibly ramping up for this horrible thing, we're going to suddenly here in the next three, four weeks see cases begin to plunge. And of course, when that happens, there'll be a lot less call for the rapid antigen tests. Vaccines will continue to be pushed furiously by the usual suspects, despite things like data just coming out of Israel in the last couple days, where they say a fourth injection provides very little protection against Omicron. If you've been following me for the last several months, maybe a year, that won't surprise you in the least. Of course, the desire for certain public health officials in the media to whip up as much fear as humanly possible, that (laughs) hasn't really changed. So now the media is reporting that various experts, that word really doesn't mean a lot concerning SARS-CoV-2 in January of 2022, in my opinion. Nevertheless, experts are saying, well, hang on, keep the fear in place, keep all the restrictions in place, because tomorrow there could be another variant. It could be as transmissible as Omicron, but it could be a lot more virulent. And that's true. It could happen. Statistically, it's incredibly unlikely, but it could. Yeah, I always love stuff like that, may, might, could. But not only is it incredibly statistically unlikely, but entire nations should not live their life. And government policy should not be set on what might happen, what could happen, that almost certainly will not happen. I hope you value these fact-based informative presentations. And if you do, I want to tell you how you can ensure that I remain here providing this kind of information to you. I want to ask you to go to drreality.news. Grab yourself a copy of Body Science, Income Tax, Shattering the Myths, or both. In doing so, you support me so I can continue to be here at no charge to anybody for all of this informative information that I've been putting out for years and in terms of SARS-CoV-2 since day one. And I might add that the information I've provided you was, over that time, dramatically more accurate than what the experts had been telling you. Not only will that assist me in continuing to be here for you, but you will read two of the most fascinating books you have ever read in your life. You have my word on that. So go to drreality.news, grab a copy of Body Science, Income Tax, Shattering the Mist, and thank you. 